What is happening out there in crypto land? This is Phil. This is the Fun with Crypto podcast. We are in season two, episode three. So this week we've got a uh, an interview. I've got uh, my friend DT that I met in a crypto group called Cryptoggle Heads. And him and I just had a uh, chat together all about BTC, sound money, uh, the Lightning Network, philosophy of Bitcoin, all kinds of fun stuff like that. So I really hope everybody enjoys the show. Okay, so uh, as promised, uh, I discussed that uh, we'd finally have some interviews and some discussions, you know, bring some interesting people uh, from the space and the community onto the show. And um, I'd like to introduce... A uh, good friend of mine that I met in in crypto and specifically discussing BTC. Uh, his name is DT. I, I'm not going to dox him because this isn't the type of show where, uh, you know, we don't dox people if uh, if they don't want to be. And uh, I don't think he does. So we'll leave him at, as uh, as that. And, um, you know, I found a lot of his posts really interesting. And the information that he that he shares and the way that he shares it, it's it's easy to understand. And it. It really helps, uh, at least, you know, even not only from a beginner perspective, but even from an intermediate perspective, uh, you know, he, his explanations I always found really helped just add to, you know, my my perspective on the space and uh, to be able to incorporate some of the ideas that he shared into my own philosophy. So, you know, without uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce uh, DT. And, hey, uh, Phil, how's it going today? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm doing great. Awesome. Really, really happy to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation. It's so great to have you on the show. I'm so glad we could finally do this. It's uh, it, it's really, really amazing to uh, to have you on. I always really appreciate your comments and, um, you know the, uh, it, it actually if it wasn't for you, I I wouldn't even uh, I wouldn't even have my podcast. So you know even even that it's just even more. You know you've been a really great help to me. So I'm so glad to have you here to be able to talk about our favorite topic, Bitcoin. <laughs> ah, absolutely there's nothing i like talking about more than that and uh i'm re- more than happy to support you and i really love what you're doing uh it's, it's good to see uh a podcast that really covers the basics from the start uh it can help a lot of new people and and speak uh specifically i guess to the layman it's uh it's nice to see and uh, i love what you're doing you can never have enough voices in uh in, in the bitcoin space thank you so much i totally agree so um you know what i i think be i, I think I think we should just start this off with, um, you know, with uh, maybe how did you, uh, you we'll start it off the general way. How did you get into this? You know, how, how did you get into BTC? What's your, you know, what's, what's your, what's your rabbit hole story? How did you tumble? Sure, sure. <laughs> I, 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 I definitely don't have a super technical background. Uh, I'm a carpenter by trade. So uh, the exact opposite of anything technical. Uh, it was more or less um, early 2013, I would say. Maybe maybe late 2012, I was I finally had watched uh, as a lot of people I've talked to did uh, the Zeitgeist addendum and uh, you start learning about uh, fractional reserve banking, uh, money as debt and uh, generally horrified at realizing that everything I kind of thought money was was completely false and um, and more to that that you know we had why had we never been taught this in our schools and it was just surprising and and shocking and. So that kind of led me down to just changing my thoughts and thinking more about money. And that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's great. And maybe I've, I've come to the realization that maybe it's a, an intentional thing that, that we're not taught that in school. And, and that also makes sense. But uh, it got me just to I remember watching a, a show on TV or just like a news segment. And there was a news segment about uh, a, a local uh, town or village in the States or something who'd started playing around with uh, a new currency that they kind of invented, obviously a, a purely centralized currency that they would just uh, it was called river dollars and the different businesses in the town would uh be happy to accept river dollars and trade river dollars. And, and it was, the idea was to keep money in the town. So it wasn't like using the U S dollar that would go and, and obviously you, you spend money at the Walmart uh, and that money never comes back into your town. It gets sent to head office and it's gone. So they, they were trying to do this to keep the economy local. And, and again, that was just like in my mind, now that I started thinking about money, I thought that was a new idea. And I thought that's great. We got to try these new currency ideas. And then I heard about Bitcoin as instead of a local new currency, a global currency. And I thought, ah, oh, that's really great. You know, and, and I just wanted to support these things because I thought we, we need to try and start to think, rethink money. And of course, I didn't do anything about it. Month, months went by. And, uh, <laughs> and then, then my, my friend who had introduced me to it posted something else about it on Facebook, uh, that it's going up in value a lot. And I was like, oh, OK, well, what's what's one net one worth now? And I'm thinking it's like a buck or two. And he's like, oh, it's like three hundred dollars. <laughs> this would have oh been, I guess. Gosh. Uh, November of uh, 2013. So, you know, I, I did what everybody would do in that situation. I FOMO'd a little bit. How do I get involved? Uh, and I got on the exchange and had to get verified. And um, excuse me, had to <laughs> oh, get verified. No that, 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 that took a process, right, as it does. Especially then, it was hard. Uh, I downloaded a multi-bit wallet, uh, which is, you know, a hot wallet. And then finally got my first Bitcoin January 1st. And I had watched it go up to a thousand dollars in the meantime, uh, and then it had come down to about eight hundred January first, twenty fourteen, and that's when I bought my first Bitcoin. Oh, awesome. uh, I didn't, yeah, it was great. I was excited. I got, I downloaded, put it on this multi-bit wallet. Had no idea what I was doing, like zero. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. Um, just that it was this new global money, and that that was a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is so naive, and just uh, I had put very little thought into the technology of it. I was very, very much just trusting a buddy of mine more than anything. But uh, so yeah, I put it in this wallet, and I I thought, okay, I don't, I, I got to secure it really strong security. So I you know took a couple passwords I I typically use, and I combined them and made a really strong password, and uh, and then just kind of kept buying small amounts and adding to it. And I, I did that all the way down to about $400 until I ran out of money and I watched it just deplete over the course of the year. And then went on to did other things over Christmas, just left it. Thought, oh, it kind of sucks. And, uh, about to April of the next year, uh, my father-in-law said, what do you think of Bitcoin? I'm like, I love it. I think it's great. It's going to do good things for the world. So I want to start, I want to, I want to start mining. He says, and I said, great. And he said, I, I'll, if you want to do it, too, I'll mine your machines and I'll take a percentage. And he lived in uh, Manitoba. I live in Ontario, Canada. So the hydro rates there are a little better. So that made a lot of sense. And I did the over thing. And then I dove in. Then I once I started kind of thinking of it like a business, I, I needed to understand what I was investing in. And then I really dove in with my head. I didn't invest too much at first, a little bit. And but as soon as I started really thinking about what it was and really understanding the, the sound money principles behind it and how effective and strong the network was and seeing how the nuts and bolts worked of it, I remember asking my friend, what's a block at one point? So uh, quickly figured out all the, the technicals. And uh, that's when I realized it wasn't just something 
kind of interesting. It was really, really had the potential to be a total game changer for the world. And that's really when I dove in. So I sent him some money via PayPal to buy these machines. And he bought, converted it to Bitcoin. He put the, uh, or he, he sent me the change, I guess, of the Bitcoin to my wallet. And I sent it to my multi-bit wallet and reopened that and uh, tried to send some to a new wallet and realized I had lost the password. <laughs> oh so my I had gosh. lost, I, yeah, that was a good, uh, another rude awakening. I had basically lost all the, all the Bitcoin I had bought for the previous year and all the Bitcoin. This is the I story had, uh, that haunts everybody. You know, this is exactly the scenario, you know, like you always read about it on Reddit and, you know, everybody knows somebody else that has actually, you know, that, that claims that that's happened to. But here you are. It's like that's that's totally legit. You know, that's that has happened. very much. so. Yeah, it, it very legit. I felt just like an idiot. Here I am putting some money, a decent amount of money now into the into Bitcoin and I lost like everything. <laughs> I oh felt very, gosh. very dumb. Uh, and I spent the next three days typing in passwords into that multi-bit wallet uh, over and over and over and over and over. Everything I could think of. I tore my house apart, old books apart, everything I could think of where I might have stored it. I went through every I, – I, to this day, I swear I wrote the, the password down, and uh, I do not know where it is. I never did find the password. So those <laughs> those Bitcoins were effectively burnt. It was about $700 at the time, so two and a half Bitcoins. Uh, yeah, it was a terrible feeling. So that was my entrance into it. But that it taught me a very, very valuable lesson, which is as, as, as much as it's important to secure your Bitcoins uh, from hackers, from outside sources, and really think through that, it's equally as, as important to secure it from yourself. And uh, then I put a lot of hard thought into how to secure Bitcoins. And that, that, that was a good, good lesson, really, for 700 bucks. It was, it was a fantastic lesson. <laughs> You know what? That, that, that's an expensive lesson, but it's unfortunately a lesson that most of us need to learn. I mean, I, I myself have also unfortunately lost money, you know, in, in less noble methods, and it, it taught me to really take it seriously. So it, it's, you know what I mean? It's a double-edged sword. It really burns, but at the same time, it also really solidifies the idea that, hey, to be your own bank... I need to take responsibility for, you know, for what I've got and I need to take this seriously. So, uh, you know, <laughs> absolutely. And I don't, I don't know that, that, uh, I know a lot of people say Bitcoin's never going to be successful until, you know, it's grandma proof. And I think obviously it could be more grandma proof, but I don't think being your own bank is ever going to be dead simple. There is a, an inherent responsibility to that. That means you, Hey, you want to be your own bank. You're going to need to learn some things and there's nothing wrong with that. It's, and it's a worthwhile endeavor. So people should learn about it. it. Yeah, I totally agree. Exactly. Like, um, you know, to your point, I, I could see the user experience becoming simplified, but I see it being simplified for a person that's already technical enough. But I, to your point, I definitely don't see the, you know, let's say the grandparents of today, and, and I, you know, I don't mean to be ageist, but I don't necessarily see them, you know, using Bitcoin. But I'd say the 40 and 50 somethings of today maybe using Bitcoin in the future. Oh, sure. And that, that's why it's uh, inevitable, no matter how good it is or how fast we, we progress in the technology, that, that that network effect is going to take a generation before we can really ever consider adoption a real possibility. Like I used to think, oh, especially in 2017, you know, there was a part of me going, it's happening. It's happening. Oh, my God. We're going to full adoption here. And no, that was just an ICO bubble. But <laughs> the... <laughs> True adoption where, where we have closed loop and we're actually, you know, we're not just 
even merchant adoption where they're accepting Bitcoin. They're not just dumping it straight back into fiat, but we're actually they're keeping it in Bitcoin. Then they're paying their bills in Bitcoin. And that Bitcoin is, is being generated and run through a consumer merchant closed loop where we don't actually bother exiting out to fiat. And that's that's a long way away, but I, I do believe it'll happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. We I mean, you know, we may not I, I hesitate to say we may not see it in our lifetimes, but you know, I, I'm like I'm in my late thirties, so you know, I, I'd say I have a chance of seeing the beginning of of that. But let's be honest, we've been using the same money for 200 years with, you know, if we're being if we're being truthful about Bitcoin, you know, um, having that level of adoption, you know, I, I would say, hey, we're 10 years into the cycle. Sure. After about 20, 25 years, we can start to see some mainstream penetration and a lot of store of like, I, I mean, you know what, to... Um, I think it's Murad uh, that that said this that the store of value proposition is is the first one that's that's really gonna you know take hold of Bitcoin and I guess prop up that value to a you know to a base that holds. So I, I would Absolutely. say I, I would say that we'll probably see that in our lifetimes. For sure, I think we're already seeing that now. Yeah. I, I think I think it is working like that, and I think it is uh, Murad Mamadov who actually said uh, he did say that, and and not only that, he says if that that was all Bitcoin managed to do. If lightning never takes hold, but Bitcoin does remain a proper store of value, um, that, that would be huge. And Bitcoin would still be worth a tremendous amount of money and it would still be a very valuable thing. So and that, that alone is amazing. I do think with lightning, though, uh, specifically, it's going to absolutely become a simple user adoption. And, and we could see it a lot faster than we think. I'm just not expecting it any sooner than that. But it, it really could roll out a lot quicker than we think, especially if we look at how fast uh, the Internet itself really has become an absolute mainstay in the central point of, in our lives everywhere. Uh, it wasn't like that even 15 years ago. So we, we look at that kind of exponential growth. It, it could happen a lot sooner than we think. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I take a look at, you know, uh, let's see here. Um, what, 15, yeah, let, let's say 15 years ago. I mean, if you take a look at the internet, I, I, I remember people saying, you know, you're never going to shop online. You know, yeah. you're, you're never, you're never going to do any of these things online. It's, it's just not practical. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. I still remember when cell phones first came out, they weren't practical. You know what? My, uh, my uncle back in like, uh, 1985, had one of these like monster Motorola's in the back of his car. Okay, this, this this thing was huge, but you know what? You got like ten minutes on it. You know, yeah, you could make a yeah. phone call from your car, like, and it wasn't a car phone; it was a cell phone. Well, I guess it was a car phone, but you know, it, it was it was a portable phone that wasn't in your house, and it, it was really really revolutionary. And the reality is, is that look at it today. Today we have a, a, you know, we have a computer in the palm of our hands. So it's, yeah. it, you know what I mean? It's only natural that, you know, we're going to see the same exact, uh, I, I think, type of technology growth in, in financials. Because the reality is, is that the banking system is antiquated. And, you know, every single one of us who goes through a financial transfer knows the, the, the hoops you have to jump through. And the only reason why we in the, I guess we'll say in the, the Western world don't have to do that is because we're fortunate enough to have a banking system where the barrier to entry, you know, isn't run by a dictatorship necessarily. And, you know, we're allowed access to sounder money than most parts of, you know, the world. 
So Absolutely. As a result, you know, we, we don't feel that desire yet for, you know, for that change. But the reality is, is that in the end, it's still not money as sound as it can be. And it's still not as secure as it can be. And we could all just be using Bitcoin and get to enjoy the security of it as well as, you know, the actual speed and the real time aspect of it. Hundred percent. It's it's very difficult for for us in the in the first world to view Bitcoin really from its fundamental purest point and see see the advantages of it. Because, I mean, the average person I tell to that they really want to know why they need it to online shop. Their their credit card works fine. I mean, and that's that's difficult. Oh, yeah. But if if you're going to view it from a third world uh, perspective, it's a you get a lot different view of of what it is and, and they get it they get it a whole lot quicker i know uh vj boy patty on an interview with uh, peter mccormick on his uh, what bitcoin did podcast just uh it's the bullish case for bitcoin episode if anybody gets a chance to listen to that uh, i think i've listened to it five or six times because it's it's he, oh, he talks amazing. about it it's fantastic i'm sure you've heard it you and i actually share a, a lot of podcasts <laughs> we, oh, we yes. discovered very quickly that we listen to a lot of the same people so and, and, and we're going to mention one. some yeah, absolutely. We're going to give them shout outs for sure. That's probably a good time for that. And one of them being yeah. uh, Peter McCormick's uh, What Bitcoin Did. He's just been tearing it up in the last year. Uh, he has amazing content. Uh, one of my favorites uh, is uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. My boy, Marty Bent. I'm a, I'm a, a proud freak, as as he would call us. Uh, in uh, uh, Kudos to him. I'm going to have a beverage while I'm uh, doing my podcast with you tonight. So Cheers. This is my, this is my first time on a podcast, so I may as well do it marty bent style so cheers to that cheers i'm uh, i'm way too too soft stomach for the uh the scotch and the whiskey though i'm just gonna stick with beer oh, <laughs> that stuff I, does terrible things to me so oh <laughs> uh, you know what you could you could wimp out like me and add ice uh, that would that would probably help you know but, that uh, that that helps <laughs> that's that's still too tough for me <laughs> <laughs> well that's okay too nothing wrong with a good beer what, what, Going back. You, what, what do you got Oh, I was just mentioning the VJ Boy Patty thing, and when he talked about his like his like father um, carrying gold, like uh, taking all his wealth when he wanted to move from uh, Australia back to India, and actually like liquidating it into gold and having to carry gold on a plane with him, being terrified it would get stolen, uh, because in in India the banking system was just so bad they couldn't he couldn't actually send money to India, and even once there in India, even the same company's branches had no way of sending money between them. <laughs> it's just uh, that's right. In, in countries like that, it's very different. And you all of a sudden nowadays, I mean, that's why to him, he's like, he understood it right away. It's, it has all the, the value propositions of gold, but it has the ability to be, as he called, magically transported. <laughs> so you wouldn't have to carry it on a plane. You just you kind of keep a number in your head or a password in your head and, and you can you can carry a hundred billion dollars worth of gold on the plane if you if you had that much Bitcoin and or worth of Bitcoin. And then when you get to the other end. You can just reload it on a new wallet. It's amazing. So it's, as far as portability goes, when you're comparing the value proposition of Bitcoin versus gold, uh, they share a lot of the same common attributes. But in certain cases, such as portability and divisibility, uh, Bitcoin just outshines it in so many ways. It it's really truly is like the new evolution of gold or a new digital gold. Oh, I completely agree. I um, I completely agree. My um, my my father um, made teeth for a living, so I got exposed to uh, to collecting metals very early on and you know obviously gold gold was always the uh, the choice and silver was a close second and believe it or not platinum was platinum and palladium were always very desirable but regardless of those things um 
I, I instantly, when, when I actually started to understand the properties of Bitcoin, which came from, you know, reading books like the Bitcoin standard and listening to, or I should say, reading the tweets from, uh, you know, um, uh, Mazir and, uh, you know, and other people on Twitter, I immediately saw the value proposition of Bitcoin as digital gold. So it, yeah. it, it really does, if, if at least I... I I can see where gold bugs would be very interested by Bitcoin, but I could also see why they would be, um, you know, repelled by it in a way, because it it kind of it kind of it's it's a better version of what they of what they like, except it's digital. Right. Perhaps so they're it, threatened, which also yeah. makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in many ways. But I mean, it's tough for them. One of the one ways that Bitcoin isn't better, I guess, is in, in durability. Right. Like there, there's something about the the way, you know, holding a tangible item like gold or whatever. It's it's very hard. Yeah, that, that'll be on the earth forever to a sense. Um, whereas the digital Bitcoin, it, it may not. So the endurability, perhaps. Um, I just don't think that's enough. Um, <laughs> well, we saw we saw gold lose. The, the the money we war to, that fee, is to fiat uh, and that, i think we'll see bitcoin take fiat out but but again that, who knows uh, even even i always say to people even if bitcoin I, I think one of the ways the governments could maybe could maybe fight back against bitcoin is to just straight straight up go back to a gold standard so they can offer something tangible backing their dollars anymore which which they don't in any way shape or form at all right they're just they're ious on promises now so well, that even if they did that, it would be a beneficial thing for the world, but um, not as beneficial. I think uh, having an, a central, apolitical world reserve currency like Bitcoin could be just fantastic. Oh, I completely agree. And and you know what? To your point, um, that really is the only card that a government has left to play. It, yeah, pre so pretty much. And, and and let's you know, let's be honest. If they were to play that card, it would be to their currently to their disadvantage because the fact that they've been able to essentially print themselves you know out of uh, how could i even say this just you know it, it's it's almost a fantasy at this point it, it's not even real numbers they they've printed themselves almost into obsolescence you, you, you know like you 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 couldn't i mean you can't print more dollars to to make things better i mean look you're you're in canada i'm in the u.s I'm originally Canadian. I mean, I'm Canadian. I'm a Canadian citizen living in the U.S. And and I can tell you, although, you know, Canada um, has done a better job of handling their money printing, they're they're doing the same. You know what I mean? Like we're doing the same thing. It, Absolutely. It's it's the exact same concept. We, we have no gold backing it. There's no gold backing the Canadian dollar. There's no gold backing the U.S. dollar. It's to your point, it's just a, a whole bunch of IOUs. And and unfortunately, what we've seen is we've seen that the world can last many, many years, you know, on Absolutely. IOUs. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I know I was I remember listening to Caitlin Long uh, in one of, one of her interviews, and she had said the same thing. She says, I wouldn't be surprised to see it crash tomorrow, but uh, I think you might be really surprised how long they can keep pumping this. <laughs> they can exactly. pump it a, a really long time. I mean, I think the longer they pump it, the worse it'll be. And I think the, oh, I totally the longer agree. they the longer they pump it, the the more prepared Bitcoin will be to take its place. So I, I'm kind of all in favor of that. I mean, they've been pumping it this long. Let's keep pumping it. Why not? And and uh, just let Bitcoin keep getting better and better and better. Because I mean, wow, what Lightning Network has done in one year is astounding. I, I can't imagine another two years of this. If they can pump it another two years without a big crash kind of taking value out of everything, 
we can we could see some some amazing growth in Bitcoin. And if it's truly ready, when when that system eventually does you know crumble or or have some sort of crash, uh, it, it'll be amazing to have a truly ready Bitcoin to to move into. Because what we saw in 2017 is is it wasn't. We saw a lot of people move into it or try to move into it, and the network was under a lot of strain. And, and we've seen SegWit right. adoption increase dramatically. So, so transaction fees right now are actually at their lowest point in history. Uh, and use is actually still about four times what it was the last time transaction fees were this low. And that's on the ch- on chain. Plus, we add Lightning on top of that. Plus, we add the developments such as uh, Master, Merkleized abstract, abstract Syntax Trees that is coming. Uh, Schnorr Signatures, I believe the first uh, Bitcoin improvement protocol with Schnorr Signatures was just was just released. Uh, I wouldn't bother to read it because I'm not technical enough to understand any of it either. anyway, but I did hear that that's coming out. Uh, and Schnorr Signatures is, again, another scaling solution to further optimize the space and the blockchain. That's right. So, I mean, the more ready it is when, when the time comes, the better. And uh, I mean, I would argue for certain propositions, such as just store of value, it, it's really ready right now uh, as, a, as a payment mechanism on top of that. Yeah, we we got a long way to go, but but they're getting there in a hurry. I mean, five thousand plus nodes already, and five hundred and sixty bitcoins uh, in there already is, is tremendous for something that they're still saying is like brand new. Don't be reckless. They're actually capping how much you can put in there. Even uh, you you run a lightning node. What's the? Uh, I believe the maximum per channel is point one six bitcoin. That that is exactly right. It's sixteen uh, percent of a BTC. Um, that you're allowed per channel, but you are allowed um, unlimited number of channels. So, right. I mean, right. well, let, well, hold on. Let me rephrase that because unlimited is unfortunately unlimited. So uh, <laughs> it's let's say it's limited to your bandwidth. <laughs> right. What you right. can handle. That makes sense. Because I, yes. I don't know. I don't know how many channels a a Raspberry Pi can handle on. Uh, because I mean, it's a Linux distribution. So I, I don't really know, um, I don't have any idea on the metrics as to what it can handle, but I could tell you this, um, I've got, on my note alone, I've got 14 channels running, and wow, it, it, se- it seems to just be humming along, so I, I'm just going to keep opening them up until it can't take it anymore. Yeah, why not? <laughs> just keep doing it. And that's that's neat. Like people like you who are kind of testing the waters for first ones in is is fantastic. I mean, first one in, I guess, 5000. But but it's really true. The neat thing about Lightning Network is that and especially these Casa nodes is that uh, that's also a full Bitcoin node on the Casa node, correct? Yep. So a lightning node and a full Bitcoin node. So every time someone is buying these new devices and it's a couple hundred bucks, you need really to run a lightning node to utilize the lightning network at this stage. And to utilize it properly, you will always really need to do that. But it's not that cumbersome to do. Like you said, you could anyone who could turn their router on and configure it quickly on their laptop can can manage to set up a CASA node. Uh, and That's all these exactly people are, right. are now running full Bitcoin nodes as well. Well, that's amazing. I mean, it's uh, that just makes the system, the network, far more distributed and decentralized and robust. It, it's nodes that validate. Uh, I mean, miners just organize transactions. It's, it's nodes that validate them. So, I mean, that's the, the true decentralization of the network right there. And it's just growing by leaps and bounds. It's awesome. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I, um, I, I forget which uh, which interview I was listening to, and I, I, don't, I don't remember if it was um, Stefan Lovera, but, um, I was definitely listening to Jeremy Walsh and, uh, you know, from, uh, 
uh, sorry, Jeremy Welsh, I believe from, uh, yep. from Casa. I think it's Welsh. It's, I think it's Welsh. I apologize. I think, <laughs> I think you got it right. Um, and, and he was, he was saying that he, he was completely, um, he, he was completely thrown aback by, by how many, by how many nodes they were able to, to, to get rid of. I mean, he was, they were not expecting this reception. So, you know, people, the desire is there. I mean, look to your point, you know, you, you mentioned at the beginning, not being technical. Okay. I, I'm a technical person, but you know what? I actually, I just recently wrote an article on Medium and I published it. It's it's the end user perspective on the Lightning node. And, and the reason why I wrote it is because it has to do with exactly what you said, not being technical. The average person doesn't want to sit there putzing around with a bunch of config files and, and they, they don't want to sit there and figure out, you know, how to compile something in Linux and, you know, download this program so that they can download this program so that they can install this so that they can f finally compile that. Like no one, the average person, if you really want to get people in, you have to make it easier. And there, there are people who actually want to do good, but really just don't have the time or the capacity. And that's okay because that's unfortunately the world that we live in. And a device like a CASA, you know, like a CASA node or um, uh, the nodal, uh, you know, the, uh, I haven't used it yet, but I saw some pictures of it. It looks really cool. It's supposed to be the same type of thing as the CASA node. Um, you know, devices like this, this is what's going to make the person who's technical enough to use PCs, technical enough to, you know, enjoy their smartphones. It's going to make them want to get into the space and learn it. And that's the next layer up because people like you and me who are more, you know, I'd say kind of like you're, you know, maybe I don't know if it's crypto anarchist or I don't like to use labels, but you know, it's, it's, I guess it's, it's people who see the system for what it is and decide, you know what, if I spot a better system than what exists, I'm going to move to it. And Absolutely. I, I, however you want to label that, but that's the type of people we are. But guess what? We our pool has been exhausted. All of us, we're, we're already in Bitcoin. You know what yeah. I mean? We're, we're already here at the party and we're enjoying ourselves and we're realizing, hey, this is way better than what I had before. So, <laughs> way better. So, so now we need to get the next person in, the person who likes technology and thinks this is cool, but like doesn't want to sit there putzing around. And to your point, I think this is where the Lightning Network steps in. The Lightning Network builds on top of that base layer. You know, we got in, I'd, I'd say, at the end of the base layer. And now yeah. Lightning gets the next step in and makes those people comfortable. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and, and like you say about being the, the crypto anarchist or, or, I mean, there's a lot of ways the world could go um, on top of this. I'm not sure kind of which way I fit in and, uh, as far as the details of that. A lot of people have very specific views about how Bitcoin is going to change the world and how the world will specifically look. And I, and I don't know which way, which way it's going to look and which in which capacity or, but I, I do know that almost all of them, if Bitcoin's at its core tend to look a lot better or a lot more promising. I mean, right now it just, that's, that's the big deal to me is we've got a system where there's not some elite per unelected person controlling the financial system. They can't manipulate it at their will. There's no one who could just inflate it. There's, you know, all these things with this decentralized system that's purely neutral and apolitical. It can't be can't be coerced to do something for someone else's specific reason or gain. We absolutely need that. You know, it's it's so critical. It's the root of the money system, it kind of affects every other problem down the line. I see a lot of people who complain about this or that or they have their their 
their thing that matters to them. And, and, you know, everybody's got a few things that matter to them the most, the, the things they post about on Facebook or whether it's income equality or a welfare system or whatever it is. Most of these problems we can fix if we could update this central banking system that's just fraught with waste, just so much waste oh, so and much. garbage. Just if we can fix that, all of those problems get better. Like, let's start with the core, the root of the problem, and then we'll work on the little laws and whatnot to tweak things as, 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 as can be best configured later. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, 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 think, um, I, I think Bitcoin in a way as a philosophy is just going to, you know, is going to help us. It's, it's going to help us step into, into the next era that we need to move to, because right now we're all just a bunch of consumers. And I think that Bitcoin is going to help people value their time better. It's going to help value their worth better. And as a result, believe it or not, I, I, I truly think it's going to help change people's quality of life. I mean, already it's changed the way I'm living my life. And I'm not saying, oh, yeah, you know, Bitcoin saves everyone. It doesn't. But what I'm saying is, is that it's in terms of financial aspects of the way that I think Bitcoin has helped change that because it's helped me value my time and the way that I look at my time much differently. So I, you know, for that aspect, I, I think it's helped. And I think it's, I think over time that that happening to so many people is invariably going to change the way that we act. Definitely. It'll change the way that we consume too. I mean, Oh yeah. I, I've heard a lot of people say a, a decentralized or sorry, not decentralized, a uh, deflationary currency will just stop people from spending, which, which I think is ludicrous. We're, we're, we're still going to spend. I mean, nobody actually really loves money. We just love what it can get us. Bingo. Uh, the, and that won't change just because it's it's deflationary, but it will make people far more discernible about the way that they spend that money. Uh, it, you know, if I look at it right now, if you know your money is going to be worth more in a year, I'm going to really make sure that that thing I want to buy is worth it to me. It's not just going to be some throwaway item because it's like it's not just the the twenty dollars worth I'm spending; it's the twenty five dollars worth it'll be next year, or, or so on. Because that's totally the opposite in a, in a completely rampant inflationary system. You know that your money, your your purchasing power goes down year after year after year. There's no real incentive to hold any of it. That's uh, right. We're forced to go find yield to invest, and with a system that's well, and I, I keep saying deflationary; it's it's really disinflationary now uh, but it will eventually be deflationary a uh, hundred years from now uh, where there will be less every year and not That's not right. the mechanics of the math but because people will still inevitably lose a little bit to them i believe but um for now we're still gaining a lot i mean there's still 1800 new bitcoins being inflated every every day uh which is close to four percent i mean we, we see the the impact of what bitcoin's done with its uh, 21 million cap and what everyone thinks about that i mean and, and really it's been inflating at the same rate or higher than than fiat since its inception uh whereas in just 17 or 16 months now we'll have the next halving and that's going to drop so that bitcoin's inflation rate will be less than gold's which is amazing and that'll be the first time we really see it in a disinflationary light Psychologically, I think that is going to have a very interesting effect. Um, I know that people have already started to speculate about how the having is going to look. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, to your point, what you just said right now, how it switches. Um, I, I think that 
you know, I always say we're in for interesting times ahead. So I, I definitely think we're in, for, we're in for interesting times ahead. We're in for a halving down from, you know, to, to 12 and a half, I believe, or we're going from uh, 12 and a half to 6.25. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and it is, it, it's, it does have a tremendous effect. It, I was, I was a minor last time we went through it. So I had a lot, lot of effect on what I was doing, right? That, that literally was going to cut everything in half. Uh, and and was that like? I actually, it was, well, it was nerve wracking. <laughs> uh, there's, def- there's definitely a lot of FUD that's going to come out around it. It's not going to be all all FOMO. There will be a lot of FUD about what the having will do. They'll, 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 the whole death spiral thing will come back out. Oh, miners nice. can't make any money. They're all going to go off one. We'll oh, see I all love that death spiral. Again. Oh, yeah, death spiral. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best. So, it's the best well, narrative. It, it did concern me enough that that's about when I got out of mining. Uh, I didn't really want to deal with it too much. I was like, okay, I had kind of made enough on it that I was – he – Again, I wasn't doing the technical part of it. I, uh, he was, uh, my father-in-law was running machines in Manitoba, and I was doing the other. And uh, so we were in a uh, family business, and you know how that always scared me when I went into it. Uh, that, you know, if, if this is my father-in-law, <laughs> if oh, yeah. this goes south, I don't. I was very apprehensive about that. It did the complete opposite, though. Uh, I became much, much closer with my father-in-law than I ever would have any other way. Like I, I remember <laughs> saying, saying to my wife, she'd be like, "Who are you talking to?" Yeah, your dad, <laughs> like every day. So I talked to him more than I talked to her some days, I think. <laughs> but uh, so, and at that time, it seemed a good time for me to to step out of it. So he kind of kept going with his machines. We had upgraded to S sevens at the time. He was also using them to heat his house, so it made a lot more sense for him to kind of ride the risk through it. So that's kind of how we distributed it. We separated it from there, and I've kind of just I haven't done any mining since then. But but it was. Uh, for, forefront in everybody's head is what what is this going to do and we'll start to see that again starting about 10 months from now or when it's about six months away we'll start to see a lot of speculation on that towards the I end totally of this year agree. I totally I'm, agree. Ex- I'm excited about it it was fun so it'd be fun to do it again <laughs> that's going to be very interesting so um i mean you know we've we've kind of discussed you know, all different, you know, all different aspects, sound money, why Bitcoin, lightning, um, so, you know, um, any, I, I guess, you know, I guess we're going to, I guess we're going to start to, uh, to wrap it up, but, uh, do you have any, uh, you know, any final thoughts or, you know, anything, uh, anything you'd like to share with the listeners before we, uh, before we cut out? Well, I think to your to your point about why Bitcoin is probably the most important thing people can think about, and, and it goes back to kind of what I said about no matter what your problem or your, your complaint is with society, or no matter what you want to improve, uh, Bitcoin being an apolitical route to the money of our society could be a tremendous benefit to it. And uh, I always thought of it as being probably the most effective political action somebody could take. I mean, you can you can spout off all you want on Facebook. It doesn't matter. It's never going to do anything. Even going to the voting polls and voting, picking red or blue. I mean, they don't let you pick pink. So it doesn't matter. You got, you got these two choices and it doesn't seem to matter. I mean, 70% of people don't vote every election anyway. So, I mean, if we took the number of people that, <laughs> that don't vote and, and tried to elect based on that, I mean, no one would ever get elected. So, I mean, really what impact are we having with these actions? Uh, but if you start to take your, your wallet and vote with your wallet and the way you, you use money, you take yourself out of that system, just literally Bitcoin gives you the opportunity to say, I don't like your system. I'm going to use this system that you have no control over. You can't stop me. And we're going to use this. 
just literally shift your 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 focus. Just just and I, people say buy Bitcoin. No, no, just shift into Bitcoin, transfer into Bitcoin, if you will. It's not buying it. Um, you're not giving up your wealth to get this thing. Exactly. It's still wealth. It's still money. You're just moving your your money and your resources into a, into what I think is a better, more fair and equitable system. And, it, and more people will start to understand that that they're not actually buying something. They're not giving up their wealth to to acquire it. Uh, we, we can we can really make a tremendous shift in the world. And I'm excited to see it happen. I believe wholeheartedly that it's inevitable, simply because it is better money at the end of the day. It will just outcompete. Over time, it'll be like Trace Mayer says, a black hole that just keeps sucking more resources into it. And, I love Trace. Well, who doesn't love Trace Mayer? He's I mean, awesome. <laughs> he's awesome. He's, he's awesome. Fantastic. So, so yeah, that, that'd be my final <laughs> thought is, is that let's just change our way we think about it and uh, and go from and it'll take care of itself. I think. Uh, DT man, it's it's been it's been awesome talking to you. And um, so tell me, uh, so I guess tell tell the uh, you know myself and the viewers, uh, anybody wants to uh, get in touch with you, uh, your do you have a Twitter handle that you could share? I do. Yeah, I actually got, I got into Twitter uh, <laughs> probably because of you. We were talking and uh, and I finally actually it was from all the podcasts. Everybody on the end of the podcast says where where can I reach you? Twitter. And I've never been a fan of Twitter. Never been on it. So uh, I know Twitter. After Twitter's hearing it weird. so many times, I, I was like, okay, this is where everybody is. If I want to be able to follow these people and hear what they're thinking, that's kind of where I gotta be. So I am on Twitter. Uh, you, yeah, you can feel free to follow me. It's uh, it's at D B T C T, which uh, I spell it D E E. B T C T E E. Uh, if you get me there at that. So um, again, I'm still learning Twitter. I don't use it and post a lot or, or tweet a lot. I'm, I'm there more to learn. <laughs> yeah, uh, but de- definitely there's people there who know a lot more than me. I'll retweet the odd thing, but I'm there more to absorb than try to spout out stuff. So, but yeah. uh, enjoy. I've learned a lot. It's a great place. But I've liked your, I've liked your messages. Um, so far, the stuff that I have seen you tweet, uh, your original stuff and your retweets have been really good. So uh, definitely, uh, I definitely appreciate them. Great. Well, thanks so, so much. It, it's been great having you on, DT. It has been an absolute pleasure to be on here. Honor. Thank you so much. And I love what you're doing. I hope you keep it up. Thank you. Catch you soon. All right. See you later. Okay. Bye. Well, that does it for our first interview, and uh, that concludes our uh, Season 2, Episode 3. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, Find me on Twitter, at CoinIcarus. Send me an email, funwithcrypto at protonmail.com, and I'll catch you all next time.